Good morning, church. Good morning. Hey, I'm so honored to be with you here this morning and that Pastor Jason has entrusted me with this message here this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jennifer Colby. If you're new with us, first of all, welcome. Uh, we actually only have one more week left here in the park for this summer, and then we move back to the dock. Uh, if you've never been to the dock, I just would like to take a minute to invite you there. It is a very special place to me. I long to get back there. And so not next week. Next week we'll be here, but the week after that, we'd love to have you at either, uh, they change the times, 8.45 or 10.30. Typically, this would be the part of the message where the person preaching shares what their role is with the church. Here's the thing for me. I am not a pastor. I am not on church staff. I'm not even in vocational ministry. And I'm going to use this lack of an official church title to my advantage today. See, some of you, you and I, we're, in the, same, we're the same in that way. We can relate. And in our world, things like not having a title seems like a weakness. But what is seen as a weakness in our world is actually often seen as an asset in God's world. Those of you who know me know that I actually did serve on church staff, but more importantly, I know that what qualifies me to be here teaching you this morning is the spirit of the living God residing in me. Weaknesses are a tricky thing, aren't they? Last week, Pastor Jason mentioned that some of you think that what the Holy Spirit has for you is only available to somebody else, but not for you. And sometimes we buy into that lie that our weaknesses disqualify us from what God has for us. And some of you have taken this lie so far that you think your weaknesses make your life small or unimportant or mean that you're insignificant or somehow prevents God from seeing you. Or worse, maybe you think that God sees you, but why would he bother with someone like you anyway? Kind of like you're a nobody. If that's you today, I just want to encourage you that Christ Jesus, though he was God, humbled himself and made himself nothing so that he might take the punishment for our sin. So if you feel that way, if you feel like you're a nothing, you're in good company with the king of kings. Perhaps the reason you find yourself in that position, in that mindset, is because you don't know or you don't live in to your kingdom authority. All summer long, our sermon series has been, you've already got it. As in, for those of us in Christ, we already have kingdom authority. But what does that even mean? Every week at Zion, we do something together, and we pray a prayer of invitation and expectation. It's a repeat-after-me kind of thing, asking God to open our eyes and hearts to what he has for us. But here's the thing, if, if this isn't for you, if you're not sure about this whole God thing, if you're not sure about this whole prayer thing, that's okay, don't pray. This isn't legalistic. There's no judgment if you do or don't. This is just us corporately telling God that we're expectant and asking him to move in our lives. So if you're comfortable, would you please stand and pray this prayer after me? Father God, what do you have for me today? Holy Spirit, remove the things that are distracting me. I want more of you, God. We want more of you, God. I give you access to my heart. 
to my thoughts, to my memories. Jesus, you have begun the renewal of all things. I trust you with renewing me today. Show me what it means to live in the kingdom authority that you have given me. May your name be glorified. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. And now if you'll remain standing, I'll read our text from today. Today's verse comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 and 33. It is the chapter known as the heroes of faith or faith in action. And I'm whittling these verses down for our clarity. There's actually a few more things mentioned here, but I just want to laser focus on a few things. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 and 33 say this. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. What does it mean to have kingdom authority? I think the first thing we need to do is define what kingdom authority is and what kingdom authority is not. It is not spiritual abuse. It is not an ego-boosting form of control. It is not power for your own sake or benefit. Kingdom authority is an invitation from God to do the will of God. It is something that God wants for us. Kingdom authority is the permission to do the will of God. And it is accessing and living in the power of God and the strength of God so that you can do his will. Now, typically, when we talk about God's will, we talk about things like sharing the good news of the gospel or healing the sick or casting out demons, things like that. But God's will also includes his desire for his people to overcome sin and to remove things in our life that prevent us or get in the way of us following him. God's will is administering justice and advancing righteousness. It is living fully in all that God has for us. So kingdom authority is an invitation, but this is less of a message about what kingdom authority is and more about how do you know if you're not living in it? And how do you use your kingdom authority? How do you use that authority that's already been given to you? How many of you have heard the story of Gideon? Maybe you saw the VeggieTales uh, tuba warrior version. My experience with Gideon is that when I was pregnant with our two girls, my husband was obsessed with that name, and it was a strong likelihood that if either of them were boys, their name would have been Gideon, and I just couldn't get past the nickname Gid the Kid, so praise the Lord, we had girls. But we find Gideon in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, in chapters 6 to 8, and I believe that the Lord has a word for us in this text. But instead of reading it to you verse, or t- you know, verse by verse, word by word, I'm going to just tell the story. The scene opens up, like many uh, stories of God's people do, by telling us that the Israelites were doing evil things. And yes, the text says evil. As a consequence, God allowed their enemy to oppress them, to bother them, to destroy them, to harass them for seven years. And the reason we need kingdom authority in the first place is because there's evil in our world. The kingdom of Satan is at war with the kingdom of God. 
I asked the question in our sermon read-through, would we even need kingdom authority if our world wasn't adversely affected by sin? See, we have to exercise kingdom authority because sin exists. But what's worse, some of the evil in the world is a result of the evil things I do. There's evil in my own life, and there's evil from you as well. So we need to be able to access kingdom authority to overcome that evil and walk in God's will for our lives. The Israelites were idol worshipers. They were giving their time, their talents, and their treasures to gods who were not the one true God. We call that, and we know that as idolatry. But then the Israelites took it one step further, and that's actually the evil thing that scripture is referenced to in this verse. There's a fancy word for it in theology. The evil thing that the Israelites were doing is called apostasy. Apostasy, say that with me. Apostasy. It sounds kind of like a pasta dish, right? Like, I'll take the apostasy. But what it means is to turn your back on the Lord, to abandon him, to reject him. And apostasy is serious business to God. Here's what I imagine apostasy uh, feeling like to the heart of God. Have you ever been rejected by someone you love? Have you ever been abandoned by someone you love? If you know, if you have known that kind of hurt, then you understand why God calls that evil. The Israelites had been in a season of oppression for seven years. Now, if we look at the Israelites' history, and actually even in previous verses, uh, chapters in the book of Judges, what we find is that seven years is actually a short amount of time in duration compared to other seasons of oppression. But this particular oppression from this particular enemy was so difficult, so destructive. And here's what I want to say about oppression. It takes over. It gets into every nook and cranny of your life. It sets up camp there and pushes out everything that's good and abundant and makes you feel helpless. But feeling helpless is also a symptom of a lack of kingdom authority. Scripture describes the oppression that the Israelites were living in. It was an invasion in their lives. It was massive and far-reaching. It caused the Israelites to be and to become impoverished, to lack. The Israelites were helpless. And so what did they do? They hid. And hiding is a symptom of either not knowing or of not walking in your kingdom authority. And here's what's crazy. Not knowing or not walking in your kingdom authority leads to hiding. But also, hiding leads to you resisting more kingdom authority. It's this big cyclical thing. Scripture says that the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves. And I think this is a really interesting component for us um, because we do the same thing. We hide just the same, except for we don't hide in caves. We hide in Netflix or TikTok. We hide in our jobs. We hide in our busyness. Here's one. We hide in our volunteerism and service to the church. We hide in our kids' activities. Here's how I hide. I hide through scrolling on my phone. Although I don't want to admit that I'm hiding, I will admit that I want to check out for a little bit, but really, that's the same thing. 
The Israelites hid wherever they could find a hiding place, caves, clefts, whatever, so that they didn't have to deal with their enemy. And isn't that the exact reason why we hide as well, so that we don't have to deal with our enemy, so that we don't have to deal with the hard things in our lives? I understand that what the Israelites are trying to do is trying to remove themselves from their oppressive situation. But because they're trying to do it by themselves, without direction from God, what it actually reveals is a lack of trust. It reveals a lack of walking in their kingdom authority. Running and hiding as a way to solve problems by ourselves is not living in the authority that God has given us. And I realize that the Israelites were hiding for their physical protection, but we all know that the reason we hide is for our emotional protection. Yet God has given us the authority to live in the open. Pastor Jason said it a couple weeks ago. We have authority to take off our masks and to come out of hiding and to be seen and to be known both by God and by other people, our sin and all, destruction and all. We hide when instead we should rest in the shelter of the Most High. We see in Scripture that God so often tells us to dwell in Him, to shelter in Him, for Him to be our shelter, for Him to be our refuge. And part of our kingdom authority, part of the authority that God has given us is to allow you to come out of hiding and to find rest and refuge in God. When hiding doesn't work for the Israelites, then and only then do the Israelites decide that it's time to cry out to God. Because for them, God was their last resort. Why, like the Israelites, do we wait until we've done all that we know how to do to call upon the Lord in our own times of trouble? Allowing the enemy to wreak havoc in your life can be evidence of you not understanding your kingdom authority in Christ Jesus. Part of what Jesus has given you authority to do is to cry out to him when you need him, at the exact moment you need him. And not just after you've endured some terrible season of suffering and oppression, during which time you tried by yourself to figure your own things out. He doesn't tell you, he doesn't want us to try to do it on our own and then come to him. Part of our authority is that we get to go to him before, before we even need him. Don't we, like the Israelites, often wait, though, when he's our only resort? Here's what I think. I think there are two reasons why we wait to call upon the Lord, and they actually both come down to authority. Number one, either you don't think you need God, as in you've got things under control yourself, as in your own authority and strength is sufficient. Or number two, you don't think you actually have the authority to call upon the Lord. And yet, that's exactly what you have authority to do. Maybe you think that God has more important things to do or more, in people, more important people to answer. But when you think that, what you're really saying is, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care about my situation. And you minimize your pain and you resist utilizing your kingdom authority to cry out to a God who is ready to hear you. A God who says, I do care about you. That is part of who I am. That's a part of my character. God wants us to draw near to him. And your kingdom authority gives you permission to boldly go to God at the very moment you need him. You have authority because of Jesus to access his throne. 
But when we delay in asking God for help in times of trouble, trouble when life is hard, what we're really doing is allowing the enemy more time to destroy our lives. Living in our kingdom authority means that you have moment-by-moment moment access not just to help, but to the helper himself. So what we know is that when it comes to living in our kingdom authority, we don't want to hide and we don't want to delay calling upon the Lord. But what should we do? How should we posture ourselves to be able to acknowledge our kingdom authority, understand our authority, and use our authority? I think something changed for the Israelites from the time they called out to God to the time he responded. And I wonder if the thing that changed for them was their heart posture. If we want to step into our kingdom authority, we must first posture our hearts. And the posture that we must take is one of humility. The most important things we can do to access our kingdom authority is to acknowledge that it's not our own authority. And here's the thing. If we don't choose humility, we will choose to be humbled instead. And there's a big difference between being, having humility and being humbled. See, humility is knowing your position and your limitations. Being humbled means, that, means having your inflated egos or your inflated limitations put back into their proper context. God is a loving God who wants for you to know and fully realize and fully live in the authority that he's given you. Since using our kingdom authority requires humility, we can expect that if we don't choose humility, God, out of his goodness and love for us, will choose it for us. Here's what we don't like to admit. Oppression from our enemy allows us to be humbled. And our own sin might very well be the cause of our oppression. We know that disobedience, which is the same as sin, can lead to and have consequences of oppression. And one of the ways that God might want to humble you is by exposing your sin. In fact, I think one of the most loving things that God does for us is expose our sin so that we can't deny it or run from it. We just have to deal with it. Most of you know that I have a 22-year-old son. For those of you who don't know, let me do the math for you. I was 16 when I had him. I was a teen mom. And I'll tell you, a 16-year-old with a very pregnant belly can't hide from their sin for very long. And I praise God that my sin got exposed because once sin gets exposed, it can get dealt with, and it's then that healing and restoration and redemption can occur. Humility is a good thing. It's a good thing when we have to rely upon the Lord. It's good to be continually put in positions where we have to depend upon him. Because at the end of the day, using our kingdom authority is using God's strength and not our own. God appreciates and values our humility because it shows him that we choose to rely on him. One more thing about humility. Humility is actually not listed as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. If we go to that verse, it's, humility is not on that long list of qualities that are evidence of the Spirit in our lives. Instead, we see in Colossians 3.12 to clothe yourself in humility. See, humility is a choice. It's something you choose to put on and wear over your life, something you wear over your heart and over your mind. You need to be intentional about being humble. Otherwise, pride will prevent you from accessing your kingdom authority. The Lord answered the Israelites. Sorry. 
by sending them a prophet. And the prophet spoke on behalf of the Lord and said, I brought you up out of the land of slavery. I rescued you. I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove out your enemy and returned to you what was rightfully yours. God sent, an, sent the Israelites a prophet to remind them of what he had already done for them. Pastor Jason last week mentioned that prophecy isn't really future telling, although there can be some components of that. But prophecy is really about the Holy Spirit providing a word or a message to someone who needs that exact message in that exact moment. A prophet is the mouthpiece of God. God sent the Israelites a prophet, someone to speak on God's behalf. They were sent someone to tell them how to remember God's faithfulness. They were sent someone who said, I want you to remember all the things that God has already done for you. Now, I don't know if this particular prophet was someone the Israelites already knew or not. The Bible does not name the prophet. And while God can and sometimes does send us a complete stranger to prophesy to us, typically the people that God uses to speak into our lives are the people who are already in our lives, people we've already allowed to speak in our lives. And this raises an important conversation for us because what it means is that you have to already have those people in your life. And so if you aren't living in Christian community, if you don't have someone who provides soul care for you, who says the hard things or asks the hard questions, someone who holds you accountable, who will call you out when you're being a bozo, someone who will receive you with love and grace and mercy every time, then you are missing out you got to find those people. In order to have people who can remind you of what God has done in your life, you have to have people who know what God has done in your life. For me, I don't, I don't want to be the kind of person who prevents the Lord from speaking to me and speaking into my life simply because I haven't already allowed people that position or place in my life. People who are ready to hear from the Lord, who have the courage and the relationship with me to say what needs to be said. People who remind me of God's faithfulness, both to his people, but then also to me. And so I walk this out. I have those people. Kyla and Reagan, they call me out on my sin, but they usually do it in the most gentle way so that I come to that conclusion on my own. Danielle holds me accountable in overcoming confessed sin by asking me, how are you doing with that? Rachel challenges my thinking and spurs me on to deeper relationship with Jesus. Nikki and Val, they enter into my struggles with me. They just stay there with me. They aren't there to fix me, and they show up in really practical ways for me. And Joni and Sarah, they just get me. I feel no pressure to be anything but my true self when I'm with them. And so you know, every single one of those women also pray for me. Those women know me really know me. Those dear friends have become mouthpieces of the Lord to me on so many occasions. What about you? Do you have those kind of people? Having people who love you to Jesus is actually a part of you exercising your kingdom authority. But it's not easy. It requires that you come out of hiding. It requires vulnerability and time and trust. It requires that you depend upon other people, other people who may fail you at times. And it requires that you show up. But here's the thing. You have kingdom authority already to do all of, all, all of that. 
You have kingdom authority to be interdependent with other people because that's how God created you. And I'm also going to add, if you need a good next step, a good, uh, the first thing to do after this message in order to live into your kingdom authority, a good next step to apply your kingdom authority from this message, it's this. You don't need a prophet. You need to find a person who will speak into your life so that you can become more like Jesus. Practically, it might look like joining a church group or meeting up with a new person uh, for coffee. Maybe it's just talking on the phone. Rachel and I, our friendship began during COVID and we literally started it out by having conversations on the phone. Maybe it's going on a walk or, or reach out to Scott Lester, our connections director here at Zion. Find someone who loves you and challenges you to Jesus. If you don't have those people, walking in your God-given kingdom authority is going to be real hard. Gaining all the promises that God has for you, doing all the things that God has given you authority to do, is going to be really difficult and tiring. The prophet in Gideon's story reminds the Israelites about what God has already done for them. He says, remember how God rescued you from your slavery. Remember how God rescued you from your sin. Remember how God returned to you what was yours. See, we have a short-term memory problem. We forget that the person we are right now is not the person we were a decade ago. So go back and remember who were you and what has God rescued you from? Maybe he's rescued you from anger. Maybe he's rescued you from shame. Maybe he's rescued you from sexual immorality. Maybe he's rescued you from addiction. God rescued me from pride. Now, some, I haven't been delivered from pride. Sometimes I still need to be rescued from it. But since I already know that that's a trap for me, I ask God in advance to help me identify and to see where that snare is so that I don't step in it. Remembering is such an encouragement to my own faith when I get stuck. What about you? What sins have you already overcome in your life? Which ones have been finished and now stay nailed to the cross? How has God rescued you? When was the time that you needed him and he showed up? How has he delivered you, brought you through, saw you through, provided for you? Remember. See, we don't have enough history to understand the fullness of God's faithfulness. But remembering God's faithfulness is the key to living in and accessing your kingdom authority so that you can walk forward from whatever is keeping you stuck right now. So go back and remember how the Lord did it before and respond with gratitude. Let your gratitude build your confidence and expectation that God can do it again. Remembering increases your faith and it increases your trust. It helps you to move forward and have the courage to walk in your authority. It's after this moment in our story in Gideon that the angel of the Lord, who likely was the Lord himself, appears to Gideon. And it's a really ironic scene here. The angel sits under an oak tree. Uh, oak trees are often seen in the Bible as a, a source or a symbol of strength. Gideon, meanwhile, is threshing wheat in a wine press, which is not how you thresh wheat, typically. And it would have been a very humiliating experience in his uh, meager attempt to, pr uh, to protect what little provision of food they had. And the angel, again, likely God, says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I imagine if Gideon was drinking coffee in that moment, he would have spewed it out of his mouth in shock. Kingdom 
authority requires that you know that the Lord is with you. That you know that the Lord being with you is sufficient in and of itself. Having the Lord with you should provide all the courage and all the assurance that you need to walk forward in your authority. That statement, the Lord is with you, already says everything that needs to be said. God being with you is the most assured reminder of your victory going forward. But God is so kind. He also personalizes his statement to Gideon. He calls Gideon a mighty warrior. Now I want you to hold that for a second. Because then something else happened. Scripture says that the Lord turned to Gideon. Hold that again. Remember that the Israelites are guilty of apostasy, which was the act of turning their backs against the Lord. But here, here we see God turn towards Gideon. Someone here today needs to hear this. Even if you have turned your back on God, God has not turned his back on you. In fact, he has actually turned towards you. His countenance is towards you. He is postured towards you. His face is looking at you. You have his attention, and he is ready and waiting for you. The Lord turns to Gideon and tells him to go in the strength you have and save Israel from the enemy. Am I not sending you? You guys, Gideon is not a mighty warrior. Gideon didn't have strength. Gideon knows this, which is why he would have been completely shocked to hear the Lord say that. He tells God, I am the weakest of the weakest. I am the least of the least. I'm the bottom of the bottom. And some of you don't think you have anything to offer. Some of you think that your weaknesses aren't usable in the kingdom of God. But going on with, with whatever little strength you have, taking whatever weaknesses you have, knowing that God is with you is an invitation to use your kingdom authority. Here's the secret. This isn't about Gideon's strength. It was never about Gideon's strength. This is about God's strength and God's strength through Gideon. This is good news for us because we don't have to be strong to do great things in the kingdom of God. Kingdom authority doesn't require our own strength. It just requires a reliance on God's strength. Kingdom authority is the access to God's power and strength. God invites Gideon to access kingdom authority by telling him to go in whatever little strength he has. And God invites Gideon to use kingdom authority by sending him out. And that's an invitation for us as well. Where is God sending you? Can I encourage you to go? And whatever little strength you have, going with the assurance that God is with you, walking in your kingdom authority to where the Lord is sending you. Going where the Lord sends takes courage. And Gideon's going to need some courage because the thing that the Lord is sending him to do is to tear down the altars and cut down the poles that they use to worship their false gods. Altars and poles built by Gideon's very own father and his father's people. Perhaps the thing that most requires the use of your kingdom authority are the things related to your family. Because family matters are hard matters. They're the hardest matters. Walking in your kingdom authority means that God is sending you to tear down those things that tear your family apart. To remove those things that causes your family to worship them instead of worshiping Jesus. 
to identify and confess and overcome the sin that has been plaguing your family for generations so that your family can be free for generations. Finding those things that take your eyes, your family's eyes off of Jesus, finish and then finish them off. Walking in your kingdom authority means you destroy the things that need to be destroyed before they are allowed to destroy your family any longer. Don't let generations of addiction destroy your family. Don't let generations of favoritism rob your family's joy. Don't let unforgiveness create bitterness in your house. For me, I'll tell you that I want anger to end with me. We got to tear down those things. Is the Lord not sending us? If you know the story of Gideon, you know that Gideon actually went at nighttime to tear down the altars and poles of the false gods. Uh, often people would give Gideon a bad rap on this. So they'll say that Gideon's fear prevented him from going during the day and shame on him for not having more courage. Here's what I think. At least he went. A step forward is a step forward. Going at all, especially when you're afraid, especially when it requires matters of your family, requires much courage. And courage is a result of using your kingdom authority. Where do you need to apply courage in, in order to tear down those things that are ruining your family? Maybe you need uh, courage to go to marriage counseling. Maybe you need courage to confess that particular sin you've been dealing with. Maybe you need courage to share Jesus to your unbelieving family members. When we apply courage, you are stepping into your kingdom authority. And here's what I think, a step forward is a step forward. I think God would be pleased that you trusted him enough to take that first step. Gideon was sent as a mighty warrior to liberate his family and his people, and you, you are the mighty warrior that the Lord has sent to your family to liberate them. Your God-given authority, your kingdom authority means that you can. How will we know that we're living in kingdom authority? The, the Lord gives Gideon a clue, and it's peace. The Lord says to Gideon, peace, do not be afraid. And then Gideon built an altar to, altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. The, I, I, here's something we need to talk about, though. The Israelites' understanding of peace is so much deeper and fuller than our own understanding of peace. We tend to think that peace means calmness or stillness. But when God told Gideon to have peace, he was telling Gideon to have prosperity and, and success from God, to have an, an all-is-well-with-your-soul kind of state, to be healthy and whole through God, to have and enjoy the rest and the deliverance that God has given him and to be assured of his salvation through God. That kind of peace that God said to Gideon is one that encapsulates, encapsulates wholeness. It's this idea of being whole. And the Lord is offering us peace in the form of wholeness, even in the midst of our struggles, as a result of living in and stepping in our kingdom authority. Peace, the kind where all is well with your soul, is available through the Lord. I want to invite the worship team back up as we close with a really important component of kingdom authority, one that we haven't even covered yet, and that's faith. In the story of Gideon, Gideon asked God for signs and seemed to have so many doubts. 
But actually, we don't see in Scripture that God was upset with Gideon for this, that he, or that he condemned Gideon's uncertainty. If anything, God seems to increase Gideon's faith by, by answering Gideon's questions and proving that this really was the plan for Gideon. Faith isn't blind. Faith means that, you will, that although you can't see what's up ahead, you trust that God can see it. Faith doesn't mean you can't have questions. Faith means that although you might not know the answers, you trust that God does. Faith is all about relationship, and kingdom authority is all about relationship. Faith activates authority. Our verses for today come from Hebrews 11. Gideon is listed in that chapter, a chapter that's all about how God's people lived by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 and 33 tell us that Gideon, by faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. You live into your kingdom authority when you conquer kingdoms. Kingdoms like pride or anger or jealousy or addiction. Kingdoms of generational sin. You conquer kingdoms when you overcome the things that are plaguing and ruining your family. You conquer kingdoms when you put your family's focus and their eyes back on Jesus. You live into your kingdom authority when you administer justice. When you do the God-honoring thing and you walk in obedience. When you act and respond courageously to the things that God is calling you to do when you pursue righteousness. You live into your kingdom authority. When you live into your kingdom authority, you get permission from God to do the will of God. And when you use your access to God's power and to God's strength, even though you're weak, even though you don't bring anything to the table, you gain what was promised. You gain everything that is promised. And what God has promised for those who love him is so much greater than we could understand or imagine. Living in your kingdom authority is the key to receiving all that God has for you. See, this whole summer we've been talking about, you've already got it. And all the things that you have that the Lord has already given those who are in Christ Jesus, kingdom authority is your access to live into it. And you've already got that. We're going to close with another prayer of invitation. Will you stand again? We're going to use the story of Gideon and his encounter with the Lord to help us encounter the Lord ourselves in a fresh way today. So I'm going to pray, and then what I want you to do is to fill in the blanks with your own personal answer as, as your prayer to the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for meeting with us here today. God, I remember the time that you rescued me from. Now tell them, what is you rescued you from? God, I thank you for helping me overcome my own past sin of. Tell him, what have you overcome through him? God, I thank you for helping me. God, I just I thank you for helping me, Lord. I put other people or other things before you and above you. A specific thing that I'm putting above you right now in my current season of life is this. Tell him so that you can tear down those altars. God, give me courage to bring an end to this thing in my family that we're currently struggling with. Tell him, what is that thing you need his help in with your family? God, you tell us to bring 
whatever weakness we have to you and that you can do mighty things with that. God, take this thing that seems like weaknesses to us and do something great for your kingdom with it. My weakness that I'm offering to you today, Lord, is this. If there's anything you, anything else you want to say to the Lord right now, we'll just give a moment of, of space to do that. God, you are inviting these people to peace, to your peace, to a true kind of peace, a peace that makes them whole and satisfies their life. God, fill them with the peace and help them gain all that you have promised for them. In Jesus' name, amen.